Hello, everyone. Welcome to Emphasis Podcast. This is Alex speaking, your host, and I have Mr. Sadir Jar with us today. He's the Senior Vice President, the Head of Product Management and Strategy at Emphasis. On this podcast, we'll be talking about AI, that's short for artificial intelligence. So with me, I have a list of questions for which our expert will help us find the answers. So let's first start with Sadir giving us a brief introduction to AI. Specifically, what are the current trends in AI at the moment? So there are a few things. One is AI still is very hard. So uh, it's, it's hard in terms of skill level required. You still need like a, a very highly skilled data scientist to create algorithms. You need sort of highly skilled computational linguistics to basically do natural language processing. So the trend right now is to make tools that actually allow AI to be used by lesser skilled people. And this is similar to how programming sort of started. If you remember like 20, 30 years ago, it was very complex, C programming and assembly and assemblers and compilers and all that stuff. Now, seven-year-old person can actually do a, a programming using graphical interfaces. AI sort of needs to evolve to the same place where anyone can actually use AI tools. So that's one trend that actually is happening. Second is AI still is somewhat of a black box in the sense that it's, you can create an algorithm and you can basically do predictions, but it is hard to explain why the prediction is, is that way and not the other way. So understanding and, and sort of explaining AI is another trend that is happening, which basically allows not just the algorithm to predict, but also tell you why it is predicting that way or why the results are in the way that they're supposed to be. So those are sort of at that level. Uh, in terms of technology level, I think there is still some basic research that needs to happen in terms of how to provide the hardware that performs optimally for the, the AI kind of uh, technologies. Some basic research in terms of how to perform better with much less data. So today, most of the accuracy of, of algorithms are dependent on how much data you have and how many labeled data you have. That is harder to get in certain circumstances. So how do you actually do that better without uh, having that much data? So those are sort of at, at that level, the technology uh, trends that are also there. You see, the fear that people have, that mm -hmm. lay people have about AI mm -hmm. is quite simply, you see, in the wrong hands, mm -hmm. AI could be used mm -hmm. as like a, a, an instrument of destruction. So That's right. Whereby the AI can take over to such an extent that it, it, it actually could be self-sustaining mm -hmm. and have such an intelligence of its own form mm -hmm. that it can, it can then deem human beings as uh, inefficient and mm -hmm. uh, redundant. Yeah. Um, in a sense, human beings can see other human beings as, as being redundant as well because they, right. they, that workforce is no longer needed when, mm -hmm. when you have uh, a, an, an intelligent system to, to basically run that. That's right. What would you add to that? So, so there's all, all of the fear. I mean, and to some extent, there is always a fear with every technology. Uh, if you go back to going from rocks to hammer and things like that, I mean, mm -hmm. there, is a, there is a fear to that. There's, uh, you have cars and, and accidents and people get getting killed and you have uh, web and you have sort of all this internet crimes that are that are there as well. So there's always fear with technology and there is always anything, any technology in the wrong hands can do much more harm. And so that's always there. I think the responsibility is uh, for the innovators to make sure that they are actually being conscious of that. And, and this is sort of what uh, I feel that uh, with every technology that is being developed, there has to be an equal sort of effort in trying to create very consciously uh, things that would prevent uh, people from being, using the technology in a bad way. And so already there is sort of that conversation happening, which is good. Mm. Um, and there is uh, equal sort of uh, effort being, being created. Because of the fear, you can't sort of stop 
using a new technology. Uh, so saying that don't do AI because there is a, a fear, uh, that's not the right thing. The, the thing is, how do you sort of ensure um, that uh, it doesn't get to that? Um, I think getting to a place where uh, robots will sort of take over the world, um, I think that is much, much, much distant in the future. Mm. Uh, we are not even close to where uh, robots can think on their own uh, today, right? And, and we are not, like, even with all the conversation about self-learning, uh, most of it is what has been taught to the, to, the, to the robots or what has been taught to the machines. It's, it's sort of much far distance in the future. And then uh, you kind of have this trend of how to use AI to provide better human-machine interaction or, or in general better in interfaces people sort of don't necessarily like to type as much. Um, how do you sort of do a voice-enabled stuff? How do you do a facial recognition and, and, and use emotional sort of intelligence and things like that? So the whole uh, interaction of humans with the computers and, and, and systems are, are changing, and that has to be sort of much better, uh, hopefully, for in the future. That's how it would benefit a layperson like myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then why do enterprises need AI? So enterprise, in, in my uh, view, need AI for both staying competitive and staying relevant. It's almost, to me, it seems like companies that didn't get into sort of internet or the web sort of thing, many of them became obsolete. People who didn't sort of get into a mobile bandwagon, many of them have lost sort of market share. So in, in, in my mind, you, you almost have to use AI today because uh, otherwise you're not going to be relevant uh, in the future. But it can also be used to differentiate yourself from other people. And any tool, any technology gives you that platform to use it in a better way than your competition. And so if you use the AI in terms of its full potential, you can better serve your customers, you can improve all your business metrics, including sort of sales and margins and profit and all kind of stuff. It allows you to be more efficient. It allows you to scale better, so you don't have to hire uh, 20,000 people uh, if you really want to grow. Uh, so there is, there is sort of, in every dimension, you can actually uh, do something very different from your competition and create differentiation. But also, I think it, it's almost inevitable that everybody has to use it. And it can be used, again, because the AI allows you many different technologies, not just one thing, right? So machine learning is there, but it's also has speech recognition. It has different sort of tools to do different things for the organization that you can leverage it across the board for, for all those benefits. Yes, precisely. I mean, you, you most probably are not going to be relevant in 10 years. In, in essence, what you're saying is, if you don't move with the trends, then you're going to miss the boat. Exactly. And you'll be standing on the harbor, like wondering where everyone else is going. And it's interesting you say that because I, I remember the the, uh, the dot com boom, mm -hmm. and you know, and going back to the industrial revolution, yeah. there were the, the group called the Luddites, mm -hmm. the Luddites who basically went and, and mm -hmm. broke up all the machinery because they didn't yeah. believe in the yeah. the development of this machinery and the evolution of this machinery, and and people thought that of the dot com era yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I think that, that in itself is a challenge because yeah. you, there's a lot of people that you have to convince. Mm -hmm. And that, I guess, that's a job in itself as that's well. Right. So other than that, what are the challenges in, in adopting AI? So for enterprise, the, the challenges are, are in, in my mind, less about technology and more about sort of the human aspects to it. Technologies are there and there are various tools that you can actually leverage that. The human aspect is, one is just there will be always naysayers. And how do you sort of get them to adopt and, 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 and change their, their mind about using a new set of technology? Similar to, again, going back to sort of dot-com internet uh, sort of revolution, there were many companies that didn't 
uh, go there because they thought it was a, a very small fad. Nobody is going to buy things on internet, right? I mean, that, that was the thing 15 years ago people were saying. Walmart is still is catching up to Amazon because of that. Stakeholders, some of them will not be convinced that this is the this is the way to go. And some people will also not uh, come to the uh, realization or, or, or want to join the party because they think it will be impacting them personally. If, if their job is something that can be eliminated using the AI technologies, then that resistance is also going to be there. Uh, so that that is one big challenge that uh, needs to be solved um, because ultimately organizations are built with people and if the people are not convinced, then you're not going to be successful. The second aspect after that is, do you actually have the, the right skills in your organization to adopt something new and, and make it successful? And that is, again, a challenge. As I was saying before, that with the new trend, there is going to be more tools and more help for uh, people to use uh, AI without a lot of skill. But then the, the third level comes, uh, which is basically, are you trying to solve the right problem in the first place? Because uh, there are certain problems that can be solved today using AI technology, and there are certain problems that most probably is not uh, the right one to solve today. Uh, because the technology is mature and, 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 and there is still sort of more work to be done. Selecting the right problem becomes also a challenge. And again, the more experienced you are in AI technologies, the better chances are that you are selecting the right problem. But if you are just going by the hype, then you might try to solve something that actually is further away than you think. You talk about problems and solutions, but then do you look for the gaps, gaps where technologies don't exist mm -hmm. in a sense, and, and does Infosys actually look to fill those particular gaps mm -hmm. as well? The AI and automation platform Infosys NIA that we launched uh, this year precisely does that. So it sort of takes most of the existing technology, a lot of open source technology as given, and it, it sort of adopts that and then builds things that are sort of missing. And so one is just hardening the open source uh, technology in terms of security and all stuff. But um, as I was saying before, there is a huge gap in terms of automating certain things. So how do you automate the whole data science process uh, where you, you, you can have a machine itself learn, it's basically able to pick the right algorithms, pick the right features and, and, and do the prediction all by itself. And therefore, you don't need sort of very high-skilled uh, people doing that. So, so that kind of those kind of gaps, or how do you sort of uh, make it so that it's very easy for you to prove why this is working and, and not working? That kind of stuff. How do you do automatic calculation of impact that the AI technology is giving you? So those are the things that are missing in most of the technology outside, and that's kind of where Infosys focuses on and builds this platform uh, that allows you to sort of do those things in a much more streamlined fashion. Okay, so you have the next-gen platform, the next-gen AI mm -hmm. platforms. Mm -hmm. How do next-gen AI platforms address these challenges? Yeah, so one thing is creating tooling on these platforms that allows it to be used by folks who are sort of normal business analysts or uh, engineers. They don't have to be a data scientist or don't have to be a computer scientist and things like that. There is a much faster rate of innovation in AI. Every six months, there are new tools being built and, and, and put in open source and things like that. So building a platform that actually can absorb that those innovations much more quickly. So having a very flexible uh, platform. Having AI is not a single tool. So as I was saying before, it basically has uh, natural language processing, natural language understanding, generation, uh, machine learning, deep learning, all these different kind of things. How do you have a single platform that actually has all these tools? Because 
different tools are appropriate for different problems in the enterprise. And you don't want to have enterprise sort of using 20 different tools from 20 different vendor. How do you create a single platform, single uh, comprehensive uh, sort of platform that actually can do all those things? Our focus is on flexibility, comprehensiveness, and then low cost, which again, this is sort of built into our, our uh, gene. Infosys always want to be a, a provider where you're not asking for very large investment from the enterprise. And again, using open source sort of allows us uh, to keep the cost low, not only of, of the platform itself, but also uh, the delivery of it and also the uh, uses of it. So again, uh, because a lot of things are automated in the platform, it is much easier to use and it's much faster to get results. Uh, you don't need a two-year process to implement a, a particular uh, system or solve a problem, you can do that something in three months. And that sort of reduces the uh, cost as well. You're not looking at a small platform, a small stage. Mm -hmm. You're looking to, to address the whole world in, in that respect and, and, and take as many enterprises, businesses, like large conglomerate companies under your umbrella, mm -hmm. so to speak. So yeah. is really emphasis is not necessarily, as you said, mm -hmm. like a commercial company where you're interested in what the layperson or the, the, mm -hmm. the consumer's mm -hmm. uh, intent, but how you can benefit other enterprises mm -hmm. to do that job for you in a sense. You're just, you're just consulting the larger firms, so to speak, the larger That's companies. Is that something that emphasis is, is just going to consider for the future or, or like Amazon, you know, how they've mm -hmm. grown and they've like, they, they started by selling books mm -hmm. and now they've got a TV channel. Yes. yes. Is there anything that, I mean, can you let on that Infosys is planning for the future? So I, I think that Infosys, at least in the near future, um, is not geared to, to go direct to the consumers. Um, I, I think the entire DNA of the company uh, is sort of built in understanding the enterprise domain, understanding their needs and serving their needs in the most uh, efficient manner. And I think that that is sort of what we do really, really well. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we will be restricted to just solving the problem that they are telling us to solve. We can always find problems for enterprise. So in fact, one of the things that we have do done recently is, is this zero distance uh, initiative where um, our employees, when they're working with the company, uh, they're sort of uh, trying to understand the different problems that the enterprise might have that they have not actually hired us to do. Uh, but we sort of surface that and then we actually solve that. Uh, so, so we definitely are increasing the domain that way. We're also uh, uh, sort of moving more in the products area. Um, so using sort of products to uh, do innovation and then so solve even more complex problems. Uh, but I think the domain still remains to be in the enterprise. I don't think that direct to consumers is something that we are at least in the near, I mean, you can never say no, uh, never sort of in the future, but in the near future, we're not geared towards that. Okay, so, so in, the, in the grand scheme of things, yes. how do enterprises measure the impact of AI? The first step is always sort of the efficiency and, and cost saving, right? So that's, that's sort of where the enterprise always start because that's the easiest way to start. So if, if it, something was costing us $100, if I use AI technology or any other technology to save $20, uh, that, that is one sort of easy metric that most enterprises do. And that is something that even for AI, if you look at it, a lot of enterprises are starting to use AI to automate uh, and to save cost. Uh, so that's, that's one uh, metric. I think where we are sort of uh, helping the enterprise change and they're also sort of moving towards is figuring out how AI can actually address the other business metrics like your sales and your marketing and your, your uh, reach to the consumers now 
How do you actually launch new products more efficiently? How do you actually uh, expand into different markets more efficiently? Which then gets not just into the cost savings, but actually in terms of uh, increased revenue, increased profit, increased margin, those kind of things. And that's something that change is happening now, um, where people are sort of starting to measure that as well. And, and so um, if you're serving the customer better, are you increasing the customer's lifetime spend with you? And how do you sort of measure that and then use that to uh, fund the AI investment, which I think is, is the positive sign uh, and, and hopefully will fuel even more growth in the AI field than it is right now. How do enterprises get started uh, on their journey with AI? It always starts with, with the right problem. And that is the hardest thing is how do you sort of start your journey to solve the, the right problem uh, for the enterprise. In my uh, view, the problem should invariably be a problem that the company is already solving, but not solving in the most optimal way. Because if you try to solve a completely new problem, it is going to be harder to explain why AI is doing the better job than something else. But if you already are solving a problem for a while and it is, it is somewhat suboptimal. So what I mean by that is if you're, if you're using rules-based engine to do predictions or doing fraud management using that, or you're using humans to enter data from spreadsheets or documents and, and so on and so forth, that takes long time. Uh, so, so these problems which you know there are inefficient uh, ways that you're doing things, if you can use AI to do it better, then it's very easy to prove that you actually did something, this is what this was earlier and this is now, and there is a difference between the, the two, and it's very easy to prove that. So I think having a problem that um, is being solved suboptimally and, and then using AI to then solve it slightly more optimal way and then measuring the impact of that is an easy way to get acceptance in the organization. And that's sort of where you should start. The other thing is important in the problem also is to make sure that uh, you are using an AI technology to solve the problem that is somewhat mature. So for example, supervised machine learning is something that has been used for many, many years and it's quite mature. Something like a speech recognition is still sort of, it's getting more and more mature, but maybe not as, as mature. So you don't want to take a problem uh, where you, your interface is completely human with lots of accents and you have to get it perfect to really make a difference. You sort of use something that actually is somewhat of a mature uh, technology to start with uh, because it is very important for you to be successful in the first project that you're doing. And then um, be extremely uh, sensitive to people's uh, reaction to it so that uh, culturally there is no big resistance and you have to involve them in the process and making sure that if, if this new uh, paradigm is going to have uh, some people lose their job, that you make it very certain that they will have something else to do. So you reskill them and have some sort of already a path for them to, ha to have opportunity in the, in the future so that they don't resist this change. Mm. And, and then you want to make sure that the stakeholder buy-in is both for the technology adoption, but also for the people management and how their future is going to be tied to that. How do you look at the future? Not only for yourself, but for emphasis as well. The thing that motivates me is the opportunity that Infosys has and, and I have and everybody else sort of has to shape the future in the way that we think is going to be the best for the next generation. So I have a kid, 16 year old, and, and sort of my uh, thing is, okay, what are we doing to make sure that the next generation inherits the world 
in a better way than what we inherited from our parents and, and, and grandparents. Thank you so much, Sadir, for sharing your knowledge today. Thank you all for listening. I hope it was a fun-filled session. And for more information on AI, please visit emphasis.com. And we look forward to you tuning in next time. Thank you. Goodbye.